This is the Tech Talk for Accountants show with your host, Andrew Lassis, where every week we have a new guest to discuss the latest technology, apps, tips, and tricks to help you improve your accounting firm. This episode is brought to you by Tech for Accountants, an IT firm that specializes in cybersecurity for the small accounting firm. Many of our clients used to work at big firms that had all this crazy security and then went to work for themselves, and while they knew it was important to have great IT security, they just have too many other things to worry about and don't have enough time to actually learn this stuff. What we do is help bridge the gap so that even small accounting firms have great security at a fraction of the cost of doing it themselves, and it's all done for you. We offer listeners to the show a complimentary IT audit and consultation. Just go to tech4accountants.net slash podcast. And you can book a free IT audit. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast. And we're live again with another episode of the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I'm your host, Andrew Lassis with Tech for Accountants, IT specializing in the accounting industry. And with us today, the lovely Lauren Fogelman, who is a price and profit coach and her tagline, which I think is fantastic, helping accountant, pardon me, helping accounting professionals double their income while working half the time, kind of like that, the Tim Ferriss four-hour work week, but in the uh, pricing world for accountants. So Lauren, welcome to the show. Andrew, thank you. And I just want to say, appreciate everybody that's connecting with us right now. And I can't wait to dig into our conversation. Yeah, well, so just digging into it, what's what's sort of your background? What led you down the the road of value pricing and you know some of the things that you work with your clients on? It, it's actually more of an evolution than a road uh, because it wasn't a straight line. Let's just go there. It was pretty squiggly. But I started out as a sports psychologist turned business coach. And what I have found was that along the way, working with accounting professionals, at least 57, 57% of them undercharge for their services, if not more. And part of that is because of our education. So we get trained on the theory, the practical side of it. And then when we're finished with schooling, we are going to be working for somebody else as an employee instead of a business owner. School does not prepare you to own a business. And that was true for me also. There were three things that I needed to figure out and my clients do as well. The first one is how to communicate my value, how to market, how to network, especially when I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. Number two is how to be able to enroll new clients when I don't want to be salesy, I don't want to pitch anybody. And then the third part was how to be able to price my services when I didn't want to sell my time. And that's what I see for accounting professionals also is communicating value, being able to enroll new clients without being salesy and pricing services uh, in order to not feel like a slave to your firm. So that is how I moved in this direction. So coming from that background of sports psychologist, I'd imagine that even though it's not accounting, a lot of it has to deal with the human brain and how we view things. And it's not necessarily, well, because I am in this industry or because I have this profession, then I think this way. Is it sort of a, a holistic human beings on earth? 
have sort of these things and it also applies to accountants or is it a only applies in the accounting industry? The answer to that is it applies. There's some things that are universal between people that are success driven, whether it's success in sports and wanting to be in the number one position or being that go-to expert as far as accounting, bookkeeping, tax needs go. And the things that I found are that, okay, we wear different uniforms than athletes do. Uh, so that's one of the differences. But just like athletes, we're aiming for a particular number. They're aiming for something that's performance related and we're aiming usually towards revenues or some type of growth goals. The other thing that I see that is different but very important is that with athletes, they have somebody on the outside, even as peewees, that is mentoring them, training them, coaching them, giving them insights to be able to reach their top performance as quickly as possible. Whereas business owners, we tend to be a little bit more fiercely independent. We love serving our clients, but asking for help, not so much. And because that, yes, we can achieve what it is that we want, but it might be a slower progress because we're figuring it out on, on our own instead of having someone else give us the shortcuts and the hacks. Yeah, my three-year-old has a soccer coach, but I was <laughs> never coached in entrepreneurship. You know, school, it literally, and I mean, I am that classic example of I, I got a financial planning degree and then I graduated during a recession and nobody wants to hire a financial planner with zero experience mm -hmm. during a recession. So, you know, pivot IT worked out wonderfully, but having that, uh, that background, I'm not going to say it hurt me, but you're absolutely right. You know, it would be insane for children to play organized sports without a coach children yeah. to do whatever. And I mean, he's three, he's not even, he's, He's not even playing soccer. Like they're not very is, organized at is, that point. Right. He is standing there. Like literally, you know, they go in for like the team, mm -hmm. like everybody put your hands in. He's not even paying attention for that. Like, but there is a coach, right? Mm -hmm. But in entrepreneurship and owning a business, I mean, there's consultants out there, but do you think it's sort of an ego thing of, well, I don't need help. I can figure it out myself or an arrogance. What do you think kind of? plays I, into that. I, I, I think it's more that a lot of people dream of having their own business or leaving their nine to five, but it's only a select few that actually take that leap. And they tend to be a little bit more independent for the most part. Maybe if they did go through corporate, then they understand the concept of having a team if they've been in a healthy corporate workspace. But a lot of us do it because we see what it was like working in someone else's firm and we know we can we have a better way. So because of that, and, and also when you first start out, you are doing everything yourself because you have limited cash flow. So we tend to be fiercely independent also and adding to our team, whether it's investing in ourselves or investing in a team member is a big decision. Um, therefore, I would say that business owners are a special breed and that a lot of times we just aren't very good at asking for help. And so when, when business owners are in the weeds, and I, I just look at myself as an, as an example of started in my living room by myself and then grew the company and had a really good run for the last eight and a half years and 
I knew it would be harder than it looked, but I didn't know what I didn't know about how extremely difficult it would be. But, you know, on the topic, when it comes to pricing and valuing services, I was petrified to ask for the price that the company that I was working at previously, they would bill customers. And obviously I wasn't getting paid the full billable amount, but I was petrified to even ask for what people were already paying me for. Essentially, they were paying my boss and I was receiving less, but I was so afraid to charge. And, you know, if you Google, like, what does an average IT person charge? And I was charging like eight times less than the Google snippet answer mm -hmm. of what are people charging? And then, you know, end of year one, it's like, man, I killed myself and I made $3,000. This doesn't work. You learn some lessons on the way. But um, so when, for me, it was when I looked at my PL and I was like, there has to be a better way. And then I was like, I don't care if I have to raise my prices 8X, like I'll probably not lose 8X clients and anybody that comes in afterwards, you know, they will just, pay the price that, and we're talking market price, you know, it's not like, mm -hmm. oh, everyone else is charging a hundred an hour and you're coming in charging 10,000 an hour because you're not afraid to charge your work. I mean, this is just, you know, getting charged a, a fair price, but you know, so much of that came into, into my mindset of, I'm not worthy. Like there's other people that know more than me. I'm just some guy in a living room fixing computers. Like I, I'm not a business business, even though I'm doing the exact same thing that I was doing when I worked for somebody else's business. But, you know, at the time we were, or I was billing for my time and that was the mindset that I had. And I think a lot of professionals are, in that space of, well, it took me X hours. Therefore you have to pay me X dollars per hour because that is my line item of $100 an hour times 2.25. just an example I had earlier times 2.25 hours equals $225 invoice. That makes mm -hmm. sense. And we can, we can play off of that. So for me, it was just, I wasn't making any money and I had to make the change, but where do you recommend, um, people, they start changing, having that shift without having to waste all the time that, that I did from separating their fees from time and moving it more towards the value. Well, there's a couple of things that you talked about that I want to actually acknowledge first, because sometimes we get a sense of something, but we can't put the words around it. So many business owners, they start off where a side hustle becomes a full-time gig. They are accidental entrepreneurs. They never meant to have a full-time gig. So let's just go there. And when they first started in their profession, we usually start off being an employee working for somebody else. And then we have our own business and we are just continuing to connect our revenues to time because we were paid an hourly rate or a salary, which was always time-based. So we bring that into a business, not, not even knowing that maybe there is another way of getting priced. 
and you're just happy to get something that maybe was a little bit above your hourly rate working for somebody else and you think you're making bank and you didn't realize the expenses that go into a business or what the tax bracket is going to be. <laughs> well, depending on where you live, it's worse in some places than others, but you don't take Florida's all those beneficial. things into consider consideration in the beginning because you're just happy that you were being paid 35 an hour working for someone else and now you can charge 45 and it feels like robbery. So um, those are some of the things that happen as far as the mindset piece. And then the third part with the mindset piece is that the rates you charge are a reflection of your self-worth. And low rates, low self-worth as far as the value that you see you're bringing to the table. Uh, and it, it isn't a good or bad thing. It's just something that happens. Our self-worth influences what we charge for our services. And, and that happens for people, whether they're first, first starting out or whether they have been in business for a couple decades already. Um, so, so those are some of the things that are going on underneath the service. The other thing you were asking, Andrew, was about how to start moving away from a fixed or an alley rate over to more uh, value-based or separating fees from time. And are you okay if I give an example of how to get started with that? I'd love that. Uh, okay. Um, so what you want to realize is that it's a paradigm shift. This is more like first learning to ride a two-wheel bicycle. And in the beginning, you're shaky. You don't have any balance. So you have the training wheels in order to give you a little bit of stability and learn how, to, how this works. So moving away from time-based pricing, whether fixed or alley over to value pricing, is going to be like the training wheels. And we eventually take the training wheels off. I call good, better, best. What you want to do is new people are coming to you. You'll go ahead and come up with that original fixed fee of calculating time by your hourly rate. And what we're going to do is now start offering people a new good rate. So we're going to take that fixed fee and multiply it by 1.5. That's going to be your new good rate. And you're going to enroll people into that, three people. But as you enroll those three people into your new good rate, you're going to realize that people aren't as price sensitive as you originally thought that they were. After you've enrolled those three people, we move up to tier two, which will now be our better rate. Once again, people will be coming to you. You calculate what that service will be based on your original time and course. And now we're going to multiply it by 2x. This means you're right off the bat earning double what you originally would have been earning. No additional time spent working. So you're going to start enrolling people into that. You get better at understanding what questions are coming up and how to navigate through that enrolling conversation. You start to see that you're working with a better quality client who actually shows up for the meetings engaged. They follow through on your um, recommendations and they pay your invoices on time. Better quality clients, it's a win-win. So after enrolling three people, we now in, move up to tier three, which will be your best rates. Once again, people come to you, you calculate that original fixed fee for that service. Now we multiply it by 3x. You are now earning triple what you originally would have been earning without any additional time spent working. This means you do not need as many clients in order to hit your revenue needs. You can work with them at a deeper level doing more advisory services than just being seen as a technician. As a result of that, you are 
working, you're getting back your personal time, you're getting back your life. Not only do you have a business, but it's raising the quality of your life as well, which is what you intended in the beginning when you started out. So you enroll people into this uh, new best pricing. And at some point you realize you need to recalibrate. So your new best price will become your good best price. You know, you're good and you're going to go through the good, better, best eventually again. So that's how you start to move away from fixed fees or an hourly rate where you're charging for your time and move over towards value pricing is by going through the good, better, best model. And if you want to get the step-by-step -step on how to do that, I have a free resource that outlines all of that for you. And it's at businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash package. Just one more time, businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash package. And that will start to help you separate your fees from time to earn two to three times more without working any additional hours. So when it comes to raising the rate that you're charging, obviously, I'm sure, you know, everyone listening, well, it's easy for you to say my clients won't do that. My people, you know, that's all paradigm shift. And I can tell you firsthand, they will. And actually, just like you said, you will start attracting a higher quality type of person. Like if you just think about it, just an outside perspective, say you were hiring a roofer, right? And you get estimates from four different people. It one's 14,000, one's 15,000, one's 16,000, one's 15,500, and then the, the other one's 3,000. Even though that person is charging so much less, and you would think, oh, well, you know, they, they are not trying to rip me off. But you look at what everyone else is doing, and if everyone else is up there, then okay being the lowest provider, it completely excludes you. So then, and let's add to this. To Unless this scenario. you're cheap and then you go with the lowest provider. Well, yeah. And you know, the, the race to the bottom, there's always yep. going to be someone willing to do a worse job than you or a better job mm -hmm. for less. So you have to position your value because it's not going to just People aren't going to, especially when they don't understand, you know, if, if I'm hiring an accountant, I am not an accounting professional. So my barometer on what makes a good one versus a bad one, I don't have that great mm -hmm. of a barometer because I'm not an accounting professional. Now, somebody that's, you know, been a CPA for 20 years, they can tell who knows their stuff, who doesn't know their stuff, just like in IT, I can tell who knows their stuff, who doesn't know their stuff. It's easy for me because I'm a professional, but just someone on the outside, like, oh, my kid's in school and he can fix a computer. Like that doesn't mean he's an IT professional. Mm -hmm. It means he can watch a YouTube video. But anyway, so back to the, the charging more piece, the clients are going to see value just in the, in general, if something costs more, their brain will go to, there's probably a reason for this. There's probably more quality, a better person, da, 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 da. This, they try to wrap their heads around why it makes sense. But so if we're going to be charging one and a half, two and three X, what we're currently charging, are we just doing the exact same amount of work and just changing that dollar amount to, to make more money? Or is there a value that comes into it? What's that look like? Well, I think it has to do with marketing and how you position yourself. If you position yourself as someone that does the tax filings, the essential bookkeepings, 
taking care of their accounting needs. Then you're focusing on the technical part of what you are doing. And that will cause you to pretty much remain price competitive. But if you focus on the person that has the solution to their problems, and they see you more as an advisor or a consultant, and that you tend to know how to do this, and you're going to take this issue away from them so they no longer feel stuck and can move forward, then that positions you more as an expert, and it highlights your insights and your uh, years in the field to be able to do this, then they're hiring you for a solution. So it depends on how you position yourself. It's similar to when we buy our first house, Andrew. If you think about when you bought your first house or maybe you're getting ready to buy one, you were thinking about eventually signing the papers at the closing, getting the keys to the house, and finally moving day where you're able to get into a home that you're paying and you will eventually own as opposed to paying someone else's mortgage for someone else to own. And when you are buying that house, you are not asking how many nails they used, whether they the people that built the house were W-2s or 1099s or where they got their supplies from. You're buying the experience of home ownership. And what happens with accounting professionals is they are selling the 10,000 nails that were used to build the, nail, the house as opposed to the dream of having your first home to move into. And that is the change that needs to happen in order to be able to start raising your fees also to reflect your value is realizing what is it that clients value about your services. And they don't really care about what you do. As you said, you're not an accounting professional. You don't know about all the essentials to be able to have your books done correctly and be able to file your taxes and maybe even having a tax savings or a tax strategy. You just care about the fact that your people can help you do those things. What they do on the back end, it's okay. Just like when your clients hire you to be able to get their IT needs up to speed and compliant with the laws for filing taxes, they don't want to know about the specific, uh, how much RAM they need or gigabytes or speed or anything like that. They, they, they just want you to be able to get them compliant so that they're not going to be at risk of losing their license because they aren't filing in a secure uh, manner with their servers. Did I get that right, Andrew? You you nailed it on the head. That 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 sentence, I wish you had told me like maybe year one or two, like that, that one took me a while to come to the realization where, you know, well, I, I remember I spent an entire week. Um, we'll, we'll skip all the nerdy details, but figuring out what the best antivirus was, right? Like conducting my own, oh, I'm going to do all these things. I spent an entire week doing it instead of working on my business. And okay. So I got my conclusion. I didn't make anything extra because of it. My clients didn't care. They just wanted it to work. That's all any mm -hmm. of my clients want. They just want it to work. They don't want to have to deal with this stuff. They don't want to have to learn it. They don't want to have to worry whether or not it was done right or wrong or if they're secure. It's, it's almost like insurance, just there's actual work going uh, on behind the scenes as opposed to, well, it's there, it's there when you need it, which it, which it also is, but, you know, hitting on the, the vein of 
you know, you're solving, you're providing a solution for your client and you are not billing them for 10,000 nails. You are billing them for the walk-in closet of their dreams, the idea of I can park my car, the home ownership, the down the line, mm -hmm. this is mine. I don't have to ask permission to paint the walls anymore. I'm going to add mm -hmm. an additional unit. Well, then you got to deal with HOAs, but, but <laughs> keep keeping that right. out of it. But mm -hmm. you, know, you are selling the experience and you are selling the solution to their problems. And if you're only looking at it strictly from a employee mindset, which you're right, most people, their first job is not entrepreneurship. That's, you know, so you show up and work your nine to five and get paid X dollars per hour. So that's where your mind goes for this is fair. This makes sense. Everybody gets on board with it. And clients aren't going to really argue that either either. So it's almost like lazy pricing. It's just like, Hey, this is my rate. Do you agree? Here's uh, okay. about uh, how long it'll take. I, I want to jump in here because you uh, are bringing up a really important point is that we're talking about accounting professionals and they love formulas. Uh, that's entire business model is based on that. So being able to know what your hourly rate is and figure out your hours it is a formula that lets you come up with a price and it gives you comfort that you're now charging a fair price or a fair rate because you're connecting it to your time. But I want to let you know that it's a flawed for formula. If you are charging for your time, then you're positioning yourself as a technician. You're chasing money because now you have to keep track of your time. You have to come up with the invoice. You might have to follow up on getting paid on time instead of 30 days net. And how many hours does that take sometimes? Uh, who wants to chase money? So that's part of why I really encourage people to move over into value pricing is not because only because you can earn more, but that you don't have to do invoicing any longer either because you're getting paid before you do the work, which is actually where your highest value is. Similar to when you have a car and your car is making a noise and it's shaking a little bit, the highest value for a mechanic is before they do the work, then afterwards. And, and that's true for you also is from a client's perspective, your highest value is, well, the client still has the pain of their financials not being correct or not being able to file their taxes on time and getting that surprise tax bill. And then once you solve that pain, the value of your working services actually goes down. Uh, but that's when you're looking to get paid. So we need to correct that also. And by the way, your hourly rate was made up out of thin air. Um, everybody else in the industry that made up their hourly rate, they made it up out of thin air also. And the hourly rate came from an attorney about 100 years ago that had to justify his high prices to his clients. So he made up an hourly rate to justify his high prices. And now it's something that is the status quo, the globe over. So it is something that is an illusion. We think it's based on fact, but it's not. It seems rational because we can use a formula, but you do that. And I will let you know for certain, no matter what your hourly rate is, your, your fees do not reflect the value that you deliver to your clients. 
And I'm on a mission to change that. I look at just recently, or I guess it was about a, a year ago, but I worked with an organization to get me the ERC and we qualified for, it was like $140,000 for, for the employee retention credit. And they billed me, I want to say it was like 10%. So $14,000, it probably was not $14,000 of billable time that went into that, especially, you know, if they know what they're doing, then that's fine. But as the client, all right, you just, okay, you only net me $126,000 that I wasn't even aware of that, you know, you brought this value to me. I'm not fighting how much mm -hmm. I paid them based on how much work they put in. I'm looking at the end result. And that's an easy one because it's like, okay, well, they gave you more money than you paid them. But like, that was the value that I was looking for. I was looking, for, I, I know ERC exists. Hey, do this for me, please. Sure. You'll get a check from the government in nine months and you got the first two. So knock on wood for the third one. But, you know, I, as a client, was not mad at what they charged because the end result was mm -hmm. what I was looking for. I did not ask them to document the hours that they spent working on all the work that I did because I mean, it would just be like, and we use this analogy, we make data security plans for our clients and you know, your client comes to you and gives you a couple W2s and 1099s and says, okay, get, do my taxes you're a lot better at doing it and can be a lot faster than they would if they were to do it themselves. And you know some of the pitfalls and, and things like that. And that's, that's how ours is too with the data security plan. We do the intake, which is essentially your W-2s and 1099s. The first one that was ever done took me over 20 hours for a four-person four firm. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be a quick little whatever. And I just did it as a favor to a friend and I was like, never again. And now we've done them so many times, it only takes a couple hours, but we're still billing based on the value that we're delivering because you need this in order to keep your license. That is an important right. thing. You know, it's not just, well, it took you X hours to put it together for my firm and give me documentation that we are solving that problem. And so, you know, when you're, when you're doing that with your clients, just in general, like they will appreciate it. And you, you had touched on, um, you know, kind of down the road, having less clients and making more from each client that you have and those clients being good clients. So what are some of the ways that you can add more value to those clients to keep getting the, the amount that you're um, charging higher in this imaginary made up number, mm -hmm. but what, what are some of the ways you can provide more value? I believe that the way that you can provide more value is to understand what is top of mind for your clients. What you want to do is what I call step into your client's shoes and understand what are the challenges that they are dealing with. And depending on where they are in their business journey, they are going to have different challenges. Uh, letting them know the solutions that you can offer to be able to overcome those challenges. And from that, they see the value. 
that, that is the essence of the model. It's understanding the challenges, educating them about your solutions, and then they see the value of working with you. Because the value comes from meetings and having access to your brain and your team and your insights to be able to solve their uh, problems. What you want to also recognize, which is the trend that the accounting profession is going in, is that it's really moving away from solely after the fact compliance work into advisory services. And I see it like a perfect wine pairing, um, you know, a great wine with a great meal. And by pairing together the after the fact compliance work that you've been doing traditionally, and then bringing in advisory services, which is future focused, that is going to be where your highest value is, is showing them how to understand the story behind the numbers in order for them to make better decisions or to be able to accomplish something on a faster timeline than they thought was possible, to avoid costly mistakes, to be able to go ahead and see where maybe there is money that they're spending that they don't need to uh, take away those black holes that become a money pit. So the, the more that you can do advisory services with them so that they're making decisions based on the numbers instead of just a whim or emotion, is the best value that you can possibly add. And it's going to build loyalty with your clients too when they see you saved them X on whatever the services, especially I just look at from my own perspective and I'd see a ton of value with, with my uh, tax accountant and you know just a quick conversation. By the way, you have rental properties. Here's the Augusta rule. Do this boom, gigantic write-off. And okay, it took a couple minutes of scheduling things out and obviously, you know, legally doing it and having the actual meetings mm -hmm. and things like that. But, you know, him just showing me that, that was a gigantic, a gigantic tax deduction that we only had to make a tiny little shift of where we show up for meetings and all of a sudden, gigantic benefit. So, you know, coming back to the, the time conversation, he only talked to me about it for maybe five minutes. He gave me the, here's what you need. Here's how to do it. And that was so big. So in the future, someone else says, well, he's not a good accountant because he doesn't use whatever, you know, the thing that me as a non-accountant doesn't care about. You know, I'm looking at the results, the value that he gets. And when my friends say, do you have an accountant that you can recommend to me? I say, absolutely, because this guy has saved me so much money off of mm -hmm. knowing my situation. So just anybody on the streets, they'd say, okay, IT guy, they wouldn't have their mind go to, well, he owns rental properties also and could qualify for the Augusta rule. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't be the first thing top of mind, but because he knows me, he can provide specific insight to what my situation is. And there's probably people listening like, oh, you don't, it doesn't need to be a rental property. Like just, I, I know, mm -hmm. but, but the, but because of that is why he had, had brought it up and how we put all these pieces together. So the value that you can provide your clients, especially in, you know, Many accountants, they like the analytical, you know, one plus one equals two. We like 
having formulas behind things. So even if you take out the, well, I don't want to raise prices because it doesn't feel right. Like Lauren, I'm not sure. Uh, this doesn't feel the, the way that math, you know, ought to feel. If you just look at it from hello client with some of the strategies that I put in place for you, you saved $50,000 off your taxes last year that you were not aware of. And I am charging $10,000 or, you know, insert whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So you are earning five X off of my knowledge. And I don't think there's many people that would be like, well, let me price shop that be like, okay, yeah. Giving me five to one. That's, that's reasonable. That's fair. Like my ERC, you know, paying me 10 to one, I'm not fighting it. It doesn't matter how long it took. I'm looking for results. And it seems to be sort of what you're pushing for is you're pricing based on the value that you can provide your clients. And on the client perspective, they, you know, the accountant is one of the highest trusted people in the business owner's corner. And it's not something where people are constantly looking for a newer, greater, better. It's usually it's, do I like this person? Can I trust them? And when you're delivering the results, then it's just an easier thing to continue working with you. Even if there's someone else that may know this little specific thing, like it's not only about being good at what you do, but presenting that value in a way that your client sees it, they can understand it. And you end up making more money and being more valuable, doing less work. And it's the work that you probably prefer doing. And I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I like the, the advisory consulting IT things more so than the here's the compliance, we fit you into a box. I mean, it's, you know, the IRS wants what the IRS wants. But when people are saying, you know, we're looking to grow our firm and be international, but we're worried about security from contractors when we can't see them, how do we solve that? And you know, bringing together solutions and putting the pieces together, that's, that's not just something you hop on Fiverr and say, how do you do all the people? I mean, they do, but <laughs> as a, as a savvy business mm -hmm. owner, that is not something that you should just find the person that can charge the least. But, and I get it on the analytical side. It's like, well, that person charges less. And if they charge less then the person will go with them because I don't, then there's also the piece of the fear of rejection. What if you say a price and they say, that's too much. How, what do you what do you, how do you respond to that? Because the rejection piece, you know, if everyone always said yes to whatever you charge, it'd be way easier. Uh, okay. So, if everybody always said yes to whatever you charge, then it's proof that your rates are too low. Uh, so a hundred percent close rate is not something to be proud about. Let's just go there. That's uh, great. I love it. The, the, the other thing is that the essence of value pricing, which is true for how you invest in your team as well, Andrew, as I'm listening to you, is that people need to believe that what they have to gain from working with you is greater than the fees that they're paying you. That is really the essence bottom line uh, definition of value pricing. So they need to believe that what they have to gain from 
working with you is greater than the fees that they are paying you. The other thing that you're bringing to the table is that you stay with your accountant because of the fact that this person knows you, it's relational, it's not transactional. And that matters to you as you're looking for a certain type of experience with that particular pro professional that you have hired. So that is something to think about also is people will consider three things when they're looking to hire your firm. And the bottom line is they want to get the best that their money can buy. That is really the essentials, but they're looking at the relationship. So they, we usually want something relational, not transactional. When it's transactional, then we complain about customer service or that they don't care about us. Uh, we also want to focus on service delivery. Do they have the expertise and the tools to be able to deliver on their promise. So the relationship, the service delivery, and then the third price is the third one is price. So I want the best that my money can possibly buy. But if you look at that, price is number three on the list for most people. The only time it's number one is when you're talking with someone who is price shopping and they want as much as they can get for as little as they could possibly pay. And those aren't great clients. Um, those are usually the ones that you regret saying yes to and you wish that you could fire and you hold on to them for too many years. Um, so it's a costly mistake when you take on a price sensitive clients. Um, and then the other part you were asking regarding objections is I see it's similar to the story behind the numbers. With accounting professionals, they love making sense out of the chaos and getting the financials cleaned up and everything orderly. And they are willing to dig in and do the forensics to be able to get everything up to speed. Well, if you take that same curiosity of making sense out of chaos with the numbers and applying it to the original conversation with a potential new client when an objection comes up and you get curious about the story behind the objections, then you realize that's what's on the surface is only a surface, there's more to it. And you realize that either they don't fully see the value of working with you or they have unanswered questions. And that's when you want to find out more of what's really behind the objection to be able to answer their question and give them the information they need to make an informed decision. I think that's a, a great place to, to leave off. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show. I feel like we could just talk for you know, the next seven hours on this topic, but it was, it was so great hearing about, you know, ways that you can literally, the, the positioning of how you deliver your services to your clients and how you can make more money from just a couple little tinkering. And you, you had mentioned a business, businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash package. And I do like that you said forward slash and you got it right because sometimes people say backslash and the IT person is like, it's not a backslash, it's a forward slash. But, <laughs> but um, Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show. And um, so aside from, from the package page, uh, is there anywhere else people can find you to connect? Uh, that is really the best way is to get started by looking at some of my content. I give away a lot for free because like I said, I'm on a mission. But if you wanted to work with me more closely, then once again, go to businesssuccesssolution.com and you can reach out to me. And let me know if you want to have a conversation. And it really is good content. I mean, I've 
you know, pre-subscribe before the show when we booked this like six months ago and I had to keep rescheduling. But Lauren really is, I mean, if you couldn't tell from the show, she really does know her stuff. And a lot of the content she puts out isn't just, well, I want my people to want this and they don't. I mean, it's very, very helpful, actionable content. So I'd strongly suggest checking that out, businesssuccesssolution.com slash package. And Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate the gate engaging conversation. I can't wait for round two. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling this will definitely end in a, have a round two associated with it just because there's like seven hours more of questions in my head. But until next time, Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show. And guys, if you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe and share with others. Appreciate it. it helps grow the channel and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I hope you enjoyed today's guest. And remember, you can go to techforaccountants.net slash podcast to book a complimentary IT audit conducted by a technician certified by the AICPA in cybersecurity. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast.